1: You're listening to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lubiton. We've been off for a few weeks, so thank you for your patience, but we've been brainstorming for our second round of guests. If you have an amazing artist that you feel hasn't gotten heard on a larger scale yet, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to pod at gmail, or even better, subscribe and write us a review on iTunes. If you're curious what my band, the Dust Bowl Revival, has been up to, we just recorded our new record, so look out for that in a few months. But enough of all that. This week, I'm excited to bring you a piece of living history Mr. Bobby Rush. At 85 years old, Mr. Rush has been playing his brand of lovably raunchy, acoustically crunchy, and soulfully rowdy blues out on the road for over six decades. Starting from his days as part of the southern migration from his hometown of Homer, Louisiana, to the south side of Chicago, where he used to have Muddy Waters himself sub in for him when he couldn't do the gig, and fronting bands that included Luther Allison and Freddie King. But then, unlike most artists who stayed up north, he went back to Mississippi in his roots, where he raised his family and became a beloved icon on the Chitlin circuit. Need to send some big love to my manager, Jeff Dalia, who drove Mr. Rush right to my living room for the interview despite living about five lifetimes on the road, Mr. Rush looks like he could bench-press me in his sleep. And best of all, his memory and sense of humor could barely be contained by my little microphone. It really made me step back and look at my own life as a musician. For over ten years, I've been touring the world trying to get anyone to listen. This life can feel like pushing a rock up a hill a lot. But Bobby, he just won his first Grammy at the humble age of 83. And he has no plans of slowing down. I had a blast talking to him, and if you love the blues... This is going to be an awesome interview for you. So here he is now, Bobby Rush. See, so the problem is that you don't look like you're in your 80s. Oh, come on, come So on, it's baby. like I assume that you
2: I that didn't, were
1: playing with guys, you know, like My manager must
2: have sent you some money to say that, you know, he paid you to say that. <laughs>
1: no. How I, young I've, I've, are
2: you? I've been around for a long time. Let me give you a little a little story about Bobby Rush. I was born in a little place called Homer Hainesville, Louisiana. I left my little hometown in 1947. Mm. In 1948, when I met Little Walter. Then I moved to Pine Bluff, Arkansas, where I met Elmo James and formed a band called The Four Jivers in 1949.
1: Little Walter was still down?
2: Yes, in Louisiana. That was before Juke and all the... Oh, yeah, before that. For the hits, yeah. Yeah, for the hits. We all migrated. He went there a little before I did, but I went in 1951 to Chicago. When I got to Chicago, Willie Dixon was there, Little Walter was there, Jimmy Reed was there, Bo Diddley was there, but he didn't come to Chester 53. Meek Mark and my Mabel were there, and Smokey Hall, John Lee Hooker didn't come to 56. Howlin' Wolf come in 56. Ella Jane come in 1957, and so did Buddy Guy come in 1957 pick me Markham pick me Markham and mom Mabel come in bit the boat just sold it boat deadly wasn't a lot of people living like willie dixon at muddy Waters' house oh yeah well he had a couple of houses some kind of like a kind of like the band house <laughs> yeah it was like know. the the clubhouse he of club house. he was like in the back of the old club and you come out the club and and go into his, this house of his and it was his house and his uh residential highway. He stayed when, when the musician didn't write him out. It was one of them kind of things. That migration to Chicago was amazing, the amount of people who all came up within the 10-year well, period. Well, I'm old enough to know the migration from Mississippi in Chicago from Alabama and a lot of Louisiana would migrate to L.A. Hmm. West. Oh, interesting. Most of the people from the Mississippi and Delta side migrated to Chicago. But it wasn't the one trip. It was migrated from the Delta to Memphis, to Memphis, to East St. Louis. Not St. Louis, Mm. St. Louis to Chicago. Mm. That was the migration because the bus ticket was too high. The bus ticket was $9, so we didn't have enough money to buy it all the way. So So you you did it in stages. It in stages. And you worked, uh, I worked on on the street and playing like we did at Jewtown, Muddy Waters and I didn't play that that much as a Little Walter and I did. You, you know? built your first guitar, right? I built my first guitar. a dilly bow, they call it. But I call it just a string. Uh, I got a whipping by my guitar. I built my guitar out of a broom wire. And we all could get the broom wire after the broom wore out. So my dad bought this new broom. I think he paid about 60 cents for this broom back in 1948, 49. And I didn't have a broom. My mom said, well, you have to wait until we wear the broom out so you can get the wire off the broom and make you another guitar after I broke the wire. So I didn't want the bailing wire with the bail hay because it's too heavy. I didn't want that so I want that you know, like the Elmo James stuff. So I, my dad bought this broom. I said, can I have this wire for the broom? She said, yeah, I want the broom wire out. It takes about four or five weeks to broom the wire. we sweeping whatever. So you had to, you had to wait. So I went and got this broom, and we had the horse trough. So I went and wet this broom and stuck it in the horse trough and got it real wet. And then I went down to the cow pen, and I called a couple of cows. Cow. <laughs> and they chewed the broom up. And I went back and told my mother. So you cheated a little bit. Yeah, I cheated. Can I have this? Oh, yeah, you can have the broom. It's wore out. Cow had up, you know. But anyway, I made the broom, made the, took the wire off the broom, made it. And I had my, a brick at the top and a ball at the bottom. So it gave a different kind of sound. Until one day the brick fell off and hit me in the head. And it started to bleed in on me. And so I reversed the brick at the bottom and the ball at the top. That came the sound. And I called Elmo James. I said, Elmo James, I have your sound. <laughs> so how you have it? Because I reversed it. And it sounded kind of like an Elmo James, like a Dust My Room thing. That was the start of Bobby Rich's guitar thing, you know. Your father, I, you know. Your father was a pastor. Father, father, the preaching, the pastor, church, and the, he was a guitar player. A guitar player. I didn't know he played guitar. I was about eight years old. My cousin gave me a guitar, and I hid it from my dad. I thought, hit it in the loft in the barn, and the sun got to the, got real hot, and the neck of the guitar twisted. Hmm. So every few days I would come down, the neck, the strain was this high from the neck, but I would put in this water, and the neck would straighten out. Mm. You know, overnight, when I put it back up in the loft, a couple of days, it would bowl back up again. But anyway, my daddy told me one day, he said, Junior, I'm a junior, I'm named after my father. I said, yes, sir. He said, bring that guitar here, boy. Oh, I was afraid he going to take the guitar give me a whooping about it. Because I hadn't planned to play no gospel at all. My blues was on my head and mine. My daddy said I, uh, he tuned it up. I didn't know he could play at all. He wasn't would, a great guitar player, but to me, that's all I had. That's all I knew. Great, great to me. He started playing. He said, I'm going to play a song to you, boy. I used to play for a little girl when I was a little older than you. I was about eight years old. I wanted to hear it because I know he's going to play either by my mama. I played glory, glory, hallelujah, when I laid my burden down. Mm. But he didn't play either one of those. He said, me and my gal went to chanky pen hunting. She fell down, and I saw something. I said, wow, <laughs> my daddy and a preacher, too? Yeah, yeah. Well, every preacher Man. has a past. Yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, me and my gal went to chanky pen hunting. She fell down, and I saw something. I said, And my mama said, <clears throat> like, don't <laughs> say that to that boy. So I kept talking to my dad about, I said, Dad, I said, sing it again. What I want my dad to do is sing the next verse. Now, I know the first verse, he, she fell down. He saw something. And the next verse should tell me what he saw. I I couldn't ask my dad what he saw. You know, I'm a little kid. So he said, ah, my mother would say, ah, and my dad went to sing it again. I said, Dad, how big was she? He said, oh, she was fat, three hundred pounds, boy. I said, yeah. I said, what's your hat on? He said, nothing but a dress. In my little mind, I went to ask my daddy what he saw of this big, fat woman. But I couldn't ask him, but I could imagine in my mind, a big, fat lady falling out, 350 miles, with nothing on but a dress. Yeah. Man, man, my little mind was gone. I said, sing it again, Dad. He went to sing it again, and my mama was coming. I said, Dad, Dad, here come Mama. He said, me and my gal with the pin hunting, he looked around. She fell down, and I kept running. I'd never know what the song was going to be, but from that on, I knew what I wanted to be—a blues singer, man. <laughs> that was it. Well, it gets
1: it. it gets your mind worrying well, about mind, stuff.
2: Well, yeah, you know, because it's a lot of guys influenced me, but that was the biggest influence of my life—being a preacher and my dad. He never told me to sing the blues, but he never told me not to. Well, the thing is, back then, right? This was before. TV was really a well, thing, well, it, it, you, and plus the the gospel thing. Most guys, but I would like the devil music. You know, you yeah. would dare to do that. But my dad, being a preacher, never told me not to sing it. Yeah. Oh man, he well,
1: probably loved it deep down, right?
2: He probably did, because but he never told me to sing it. Yeah. But he never told me not to.
1: Well, there's a lot of artists that I grew up, you know, listening to that I got into recently again. Yeah. Sister Rosetta Tharp, and, yeah, 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 and, yeah, you know, people like that who come from this sort of yeah, religious, religious background, sort yeah. of a tent revival right, right, singer right. background, yeah. but then crossed over into
2: sort of this rock and roll yeah, yeah. blues world. And well, be so honest, many people came be honest, from that. I, if you look back at it, what I do, what Rosetta Thor did, and a lot of us did, we were doing the same thing. On a, on a Saturday night, we said, baby, baby, baby. On a Sunday night, you said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's the same music, you just I mean, the same music. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know. I mean, there's a certain point where if
1: you want to reach a larger audience, yeah. you need yeah. to you, you, you start to, to go cross-over. beyond the church.
2: Yeah, you, well, they call it the crossover. You cross through secular stuff, you know. But uh, but the same people you saw on Saturday night, the same people you see Sunday morning. The same people Sunday morning, the same people Saturday night. Atoning for their sins from Saturday night. <laughs> at, at the and roadhouse. So, and sometimes the bigger sins than others, you know. So, depending on how much you drink, you know. And you did something kind of...
1: Atypical, where you you went to Chicago and then you went back yeah, to Jackson, I, I, Mississippi. I went to right?
2: Chicago and stayed forty-eight years in Chicago, and I went there and got all of my. I thought I could, got all the things that I learned, didn't learn it all, but I learned a lot of things. I learned what I learned. Uh, I learned what I shouldn't have done, shouldn't have done. Yeah. Then I went back to. The southern state where I was came come from. Mm-hmm. I went back to Mississippi with my great grandparents from Mississippi. But I didn't go back just because of Mississippi. I went back if you look on the map of the southern states, Mississippi is the center point mm-hmm. of the state. I was living in Chicago working eighty percent of my gig was in the southern state. Mm. So what I was doing working Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the Mississippi area of uh, the Southern Souls area, which is south. The Chitlin Circuit. Chitlin Circuit. And going back to Chicago on a Monday, getting there on a Tuesday, staying in Chicago Tuesday and Wednesday, leaving out on Thursday, coming back south. That's I a was, long drive. That was a long drive. I was spending all my time driving back and forth. So I said, no, let me let me find out what I can do. So I moved to the Southern State so I could be home. Mm-hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and leave out on Friday morning, sometime Thursday night, and be home. Make the, make the road more efficient. Make the more efficient, and be with the kids and, and the whole bit, you
1: know. What was... Uh, I'm from Chicago. And, oh, that Oh, oh, you're And my dad, you know, kind of would go see Muddy Waters and Holland Wolf and all those guys in the well, 60s, 70s. Of you
2: know about... These, 70s, no. rather, 70s. Yeah, yeah. And
1: it was sort of a part of my upbringing, you know, just sort oh. of that music, and... I was always a bit jealous of him that he got to go and hang I out know, with these guys. With it. You it, didn't. I
2: know. Well, at that time, he <laughs> was
1: like, yeah, muddy waters was just yeah. a guy who would play at the yeah, cafe yeah. at like Northwestern like University,
2: old Bob, like old Bobby is now, you now.
1: <laughs> but I was like, now I think you know, he, you know there's like know. these legends right, that, right. that sort of are put into the, you know the blues right, myth. Right. You know, but back then you could kind of go to the cafe and see him right. playing for. Five bucks,
2: you know? Yeah, I amazing. was uh I, I met mean, the first time well not the first time I met in Muddy Water, we I went to Apex in Chicago nineteen fifty one or fifty two. I was able to get this job at this place where Muddy didn't want to work there, but J B. Illinois got the number from Muddy Water to give me and I worked at this place where behind a curtain while well, people wanted to hear my music, didn't want to see a face. Mm. But I remember, as a band leader, I got I was making three dollars and some dollars, or three fifty a night. As a band leader, sometime, five dollars, and I got this gig out, out in Roseland. Mm. The man paid me seven dollars a night, and I hired Muddy Water for five dollars and fifty cents a night. You hired him? Oh yeah, yeah. Muddy Water worked. You know, I was making I would make a seven dollar. Were you playing $7. harp with him and he was singing or you no, were both no, singing? No, no, no. I was a band leader. No, yeah. no. I never pl- I played a many time on the stage with him, but I never played with no one. Mm. I come out the door playing with my own band at mm. 13 or 14 years old. Mm. And I had uh my first band I put together was Elmo James on guitar. Then Freddie King. And How I, and I was young, didn't know what I was doing, but I had to amplifies, Cisco Roebuck Amplifies. Mm. Silver uh, tones, but I was the worst player in the band. But I owned all equipment, so couldn't nobody fire me. <laughs> as a as a fellow band leader, yeah.
1: I appreciate yeah. the acknowledgement that sometimes you can be the worst musician, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're
2: indispensable
1: to the yeah, band. Yeah, at the yeah, yeah.
2: But but I but You the, write the songs. Like I write the, I write the song, and I was the business. But I had the station wagon, man. Yeah, you know, and I had the credit. You know, I could go get it. You know, because I had this little day job I could do, and and, and I had people who. Believed in me, you know, like credit-wise, you know, yeah. to let me have an amplifier, but this fifty-dollar amplifier, I man, I could with the credit. Well, sometimes the other guys couldn't have the credit to get it with, you know. Tell me, wait, tell me again about that playing behind the curtain situation. Oh, I, at that time, I really was dumb to the fact of what they was trying to do to me. I didn't the under, discrimination. And discrimination. I didn't understand it, but J.B. Lenoir did. Mm-hmm. Cause he wouldn't do it. You know, mm-hmm. JB always talked about the racial songs mm-hmm. and presidential thing. He he always talked about, but I didn't. He said to the main. I, I learned later. He told the main said, "Listen, I can't do it, but I got a guy who will do it for you." Mm-hmm. So who is it, Bobby Rush? And he the one got me the gig, mm-hmm. cause he knew that I didn't know about the. it was cool to me because at that time I'm a young man who playing behind a curtain, and I wanted my girlfriend on the stage. I had this behind the curtain they couldn't see what I was doing I would play a little and be a formula a little you know like I had the <laughs> girls behind the curtain with me. yeah you know yeah. you know cause we would come in through the back door behind the curtain the audience never saw me until I got so friendly with the guy he lady he's a lady you and know he have been we've been listening to a music from Bobby Rush and his band and they would open the curtain up like that I would take about close it back up but the band and someone complained to him. Some of his somebody complained to him by seeing and using the N word. Seeing us. And This he is said, in Chicago. Yes, suburbs Chicago. Oh God, yeah, man. What I mean, what did they think you looked like? Well, they didn't. They, they, knew, they knew they didn't want to see it. They didn't want to hit, the audience didn't want to see who we were because they didn't want whoever their girlfriend or whoever they brought yeah. with them. They didn't want nobody to be listening to no black guys playing behind. It. That's why we behind That's the stage. So curtain. weird, man. But but he said, okay, Bobby Rush. Said, so what I'm gonna do tomorrow? I'm gonna put another curtain on the stage. He put another curtain on the stage, put the band behind this curtain. I'm in the front of the curtain. Now, when I take a bow, he can't see the band. They only see me. Mm. So, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Rush. He would open it up and he never seated. So, they wouldn't see the, so he would see the black band now. They to okay. see me. I did that for a couple of times until a guy came up, a Chinese guy came up from Rush Street in Chicago mm-hmm. saw me and wanted to take me down the loop mm-hmm. to play on Rush Street. And I can tell you on record, I'm probably one of the first black men to play on Rush Street in Chicago mm. back in the early 50s. The next person would be probably be Red Fox, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Dick Gregory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like there was a divide
1: about when the civil rights movement started kicking into full gear of the... African American artists who wouldn't play segregated audiences and ones who wanted to make a living and had to do it because well, i I just I just saw an amazing play about Nat King Cole yeah, yeah, yeah. and about sort of his journey of sort of becoming the first sort of you know TV star and uh, wanting to be able to reach everyone you know not just be releg- relegated to the black audience but found that a lot of the civil rights leaders wanted him to step up and to speak out about this, but he's like but i want yeah I want to make a living and there's there's this divide about and it still carries over today, like do you stand up for what's right or do you
2: show people your work right. and
1: let it they let them decide? yeah and that's tough
2: but i'm gotta, I'm about to take you something that's that's really going to be real shocking to you and the world <clears throat> Last year I had the box set of the year. Mm-hmm. The Grammys. Part of, part of the, grand the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Grammys are one thing, but the box set of the year mean, the reason that some of that came by because the box set of the year is the Masters. Mm-hmm. Because I own the Masters of most of those things Smart that I cut. Because I believe I'm the only man ever recorded in the 50s at Chess and left with the Masters. How did you how did you well, figure I mean, that out? Uh, I didn't figure it out. I, I'm tell you this is what I'm telling you I've never been on tape before. Okay. Because you looking at a man who now, I talk about it now, it's a lot of men's have been this road that I'm on. But but most men who travel the road I travel is dead and gone. Mm-hmm. Including Sam Cook, the Red Fox. To Sammy Davis Jr., the Tyrone Davis, uh, the Prince, and on in Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifty, hundred years from now, you will find out really why they died. Mm-hmm. I escaped the rope because and I am with it because I was, I was too small for one thing, not big enough for another. So no, I did. They looked over
1: me. It's almost like when the dinosaurs all went extinct, the ones that survived were the the little ones that could get under right. the dirt. I was one that said,
2: oh, I didn't know about Bob Rush and his so blue singer."
1: Well, but there's something to be said about your continued hard work. Well, and, it's and hard it, work, but then... You that never was, stopped.
2: That was that was, some, that was some love uh was shared to me by by who... Even the chess brother thought I was involved in because I could pretty much do what I want to do. Let me tell you a little why. Because I was a friend of Acapone brother, in, in Chicago, in, in Chicago. So when people saw me coming, that was they thought I was tied in with Acapone. I didn't really know the man, <laughs> but I used it for my to my advantage to do the things. Like once, oh, that's Acapone. Yeah, you don't want to mess with Bobby. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So uh, so, I, so I got by with a lot of things didn't even know the man, but I didn't know his brother. His brother knew me and he said, not kill me. That's why I worked down downtown. Uh I I, I, I got in this because I was working, I don't want to get into name calling, but that was a Chinese guy called Cunch. Okay. I am working at Bourbon Street. So I went to him and said, Listen, I I'm going to the swing club because I'm. you pay me five dollars and fifty cent a night. I can get twelve dollars a night as a band leader at swing club. And he said, Okay. So I'm giving you a two week notice. He said, Thank you, man. You you you're awful nice to let me know. And I get somebody else. So I went to the club to work, not knowing this tied up, not knowing the this this capone, not knowing nothing about uh-huh. this. I went to work, so the guy said, Oh he go to the office and get your money. Went up there to get my money. After I worked four days, mm-hmm. and I went to the same office that I went before. And mm-hmm. he turned around with the cigar, the same guy. He said, yes, <laughs> hey, "Kid, you're a good kid. I like you. We're gonna make a lot of money, kid." I said to him, "I also depend on what I got to do. So you don't tell me what to do. You do what the hell I tell you to do." Now I realize. <clears throat> I quit one job to go to the next job, and the same man owned them all. So I was in mm. because I respected him to tell him no to notice I was going there. Mm-hmm. What I was going to do, same man hired me. So back then I was locked in. Well,
1: businessman recognizes another businessman, right? I was listening to the <laughs> the the Chickenheads' fifty year history of Bobby Rush, the boxing, Yeah, yeah. And some of those old songs, yeah. Hold up, man. The the gotta have money song. Right? Oh yeah. With yeah. the I love that line the money
2: is the root of all evil. Yeah, yeah. And I got the fever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Call it doctors. I got a fever cuz I I don't want it, you know. Yeah. i am sick about it, you know. Well, you
1: know? tell me how you tried to uh,
2: overcome the sort of unfairness of those earlier days up through my dad is teaching and through my biblical study. I'm a blues singer, but I'm a biblical study. Not a religion nut, but I'm a biblical study because the Bible is a roadmap to my life. Mm. And I think as many other people's life it's a roadmap. And I always have known especially now that many things have changed but most things have changed, remain the same. Mm. And nothing is new under the sun. Everything was, it is, everything is, it was. Mm. And I knew that coming up as a, as a kid coming through the racial stuff coming through the ups and down on a privilege and, and most of the things was did to me most of the thing that was done to me I did it to myself not knowing what to do for myself
0: mm-hmm.
2: you follow me mm-hmm. now don't get me wrong That was some opportunity that wasn't, what just wasn't there for me as a black man but I knew that too mm-hmm. because I remember I me and Freddie King went to uh Mendota, Illinois in the early sixties. I had a guy on the guitar named Willie Jane, married to a white lady, mm-hmm. and we went in the club, and a guy came up and said, and used the n word he mm-hmm. said and didn't mean no harm about it. I can tell what he was talking he said, "Listen, you n word y'all sure can play. I love this music you play, yeah." And he just went on to say, "You so and so something this, you know, the N word. I love you, you N words, man. Y'all can play. Yeah. And he would stick something in my pocket. Willie James, who was married to a white lady, was bad enough to fight. He said, man, I say, be cool, be cool. Said, if you want to quit, quit tomorrow. We are gonna to play tonight. I do home. He kept sticking something in my pocket. At that time, getting a dollar. 50 Cent was a big tip for us Mm -hmm. because we wasn't getting but $7, $8 a night. He went down and we were playing a song, stuck it in his pocket. He did it four or five times. Mm -hmm. And I didn't look at it. I figured I'm going to get me $4 or $5. I'm going to give everybody a dollar a piece. But it was $100 bills. Wow. I had about $600. Now, I didn't tell the band at the time what it was. So I got chained for $100, and I gave everybody $20 a piece. And I kept the rest of the money. And I'm the battle leader anyway, you know. <laughs> so that was a lot of money. We making $7 a night, man. And get the guys. A couple of days like that, went by, and I get the guys, and I made $100. Wow. You know, Freddie was we happy about that. Sunday night came. This same man was calling us the N-word. Shooting poo now. He's sober. He don't pay us any attention. We're playing his song, supposedly, because mm-hmm. we wanted to come do the yeah. tip now. Yeah. So Freddie King said, uh, Hey, sir. We played the song about four or five times. He Which song? Freddie King. We oh, were yeah. on to Hadaway before we recorded now. Hadaway mm-hmm. was, because we had, this a long story about Hadaway. Uh, that was Magic Sam's song for 10 or 15 years How's that song go? Hadaway. Yeah. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. You know, Hadaway. Freddie King, Hadaway. And when he was playing this song, and the guy wasn't paying us any attention. So Freddie said, "Willie James, call the guy." So he said, "Hey, sir, the N word is over here. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we want this tip now. Yeah. All, but two days ago, we was mad. He was mad about wanting to fight about the guy. Right. Now, now I got not paying his attention. He wanted to come over, yeah. and put some more money the fight. Anyway, that's a story where the guys using the N word, and you're mad about it. Now he pays for this uh, relationship that he's built with us." Now he don't pay us any attention on the Sunday night, we wouldn't to come over and call us that again so he can get some more money. Anyway, that's, that's one of them situations, you know. But, but, but you know, speaking about me as a, as, a, as a racial thing, I was brought up a little bit different from a lot of people. Coming from Louisiana, my parents from Mississippi. My mom, my mom had 10 children Oh. and she was my mom who was in home a lot of time who was out in the public she was our babysitter because mm. my mom is blonde hair and blue eyes mm. and my dad is dark black as from Africa mm. and he was my mom's chauffeur a lot of time when he had to be how did your parents meet? I don't know um, I, I I know I know but it's a long story Mine. Grandfather, great grandfather, from Vicksburg, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and so my great grandmama
0: mm-hmm.
2: she lived with a guy called Van Spivey, which is a white guy as a slave. It was he had six kids by his 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 wife and five by my great grandmama mm-hmm. and living in the same house. So I was told when he got sick on his dying bed, he wanted to split his money and land to his children, mm-hmm. and the oldest child was nineteen. Mm. He didn't want to split it between his black sister and brother, so he took them, which is my great grandmother, took them to Eudover Arkansas. Mm. They raised themselves in a barn. That's where my dad met my mom. I mean, that's that's going to be, you know. My mom. That's grew, an early education about yeah, about yeah. figuring out how to make yeah. it work. It you make know, it work. You know. So I so I, I so I didn't come up knowing about uh, having to knowing about to work in the field for some some white guy who owned the field. I worked all day for no money, but with my dad deal mm. because you got to understand, my mama blue had blonde hair. Did, she? And she made the deals for us. So I didn't know anything about. Working for nobody. But my mama did it for no money. But your dad was a public figure yeah, in the public community. Public, 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 public and did they public. think it was weird that your mom looked yeah, white? Yeah. yeah. But my dad had played the role. What he had to play. I didn't know mm. about the other mm. situation with it. Mm. But I, I, I can remember when I was about six or seven. Must have been about six. She went down to this store that my dad was getting some hay mm-hmm. in this wagon. I was in the back of this wagon shooting marbles, And two men rode up on a horse. One was leading the horse. So three men. My mother named Maddie. They said, Maddie, so what you doing with this nigga? And my mother said, I'm a nigga too. Mm. Just like that. She said, no. He said, you don't believe it? Ask Mr. Bear. Mr. Baird was on store. So when my mama left me in the store, mm. and I I could tell she said, stay here till I come back. She left me as a babysitter, not as a mama, and a, right. as a son. Yeah. When she went in the store, I saw my mom was another kind of woman. Now, when she went in the store, which was a white woman. Mm. And I could tell what she shuffled. And a little more over. power. Oh, she went in, talk with this, she was this white woman in the store. Mm. And when she told them who her dad was, the men left. That was my great-granddad.
0: Mm.
2: You follow me? And when they found out who she was, and she came back, my dad never knew anything. Mm. And I didn't know then either. I just found out later, mm. you know. Whatever she told them in the store, they knew the story of my great-granddad. Mm. They, whoever he was, he was this of guy, you know. You mentioned
1: Eudora Arkansas. Yeah. Do you know, you ever heard of this artist, uh, Tony Joe White? Yes. I had Love him it. on the podcast um, right it. before he died, yeah. actually. And, and amazing, kind of swamp blues yeah. guitar player singer. Yeah. He has this song about uh, his parents going to see the devil at the jail in Eudora, Arkansas. <laughs> that supposedly, you know, as yeah. entertainment, yeah, yeah. the families would be told that they had caught the devil. Yeah. and they had him and in this really, jail, in jail. Yeah. and that it wasn't necessarily that they all believed it but it was like we're going to go see for ourselves yeah, yeah, yeah. if the devil is really there and that his parents would come back and
2: they were scared <laughs> like they were like they believed <laughs> you it you believed it yeah you know? yeah yeah Tony was a good friend of mine man before he passed oh, man. man i just it's, you know i'm so sad of that. He's my buddy man you know neither of you have any gray hairs on your head yeah i have some gray hair i got a uh, clara in it I got some gray hair all around the edges, man. Yeah. But I tell tell it like it is. How do you remember lyrics from songs you wrote 50 Um, years ago? um, 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 I was talking about this last night. Every night, every day, I thank God, at 377 records, I remember most of them. Mm. But it's, it's not nothing that I do. It's just a blessing that I remember the songs put well. it well. I wrote them all, too, you know. Mm. Uh, I may not remember line by line a lot of time, but mm. when I get to singing them, they all come back. You know, they all kind of come back, you know. If
1: there was you a know? song that you would play, you know, every day for the rest of your life, what would, what would that song be? Probably be Chicken Heads.
2: That was, that was the hit, the first hit, right? I'd probably Chicken Heads. That, that was a song I've been playing... There's several things I I, I, don't, I talk about. You know, I, I like I like a lot of things that I've done, but the thing that sticks in my mind, the thing that I love the most, is something like making a decision. Making a decision sometimes sure can be the hard. Making a decision for yourself is different when you got kids involved. Mm. Making a decision about a juvenile cry is different when it's your own child, because kissing can and canning hurts don't cry don't make a grown man smile. Mm. These kind of things, you know. Uh, I kind of slang too because they say so much to me personally, and and I'm always thanking God to, for the gift He give me to remember all of these things. And I I don't know when or where, but God has a lot to remember. There are some things that that I'll I i do not think it's forgetting; it's just that I got so many to remember. Well, it's a, I think it's. It is a gift being a storyteller, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's almost
1: like it chooses yeah, you. Yeah, you don't yeah. actually have, uh, almost the choice anymore. Like I feel like, oh, you know, I right. wanted you're, to write. You're. I wanted to write plays and movies, and 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 when I started writing songs, it became uh, something else where I could not stop doing it, even if I tried. Right? It was something that you wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Something's hitting you. Everything stops, and you have to write it down. You have to remember it because somehow yeah, it see, feels important, see, even that, if it's not. If it's, you know, I'm looking it at
2: you. You like you're just me over, man. That's <laughs> I couldn't say it in a better because that's what I. That's it. You know, I have this new record that I just got down to be out in the next couple months. It says, in a little shack down by the bay not far from New Orleans, I met this pretty woman down there, the finest thing i ever seen. She went and told her daddy she wanted to marry me. And the look on her dad's face really was a sight to see. He said, get out of here with you, and don't you come back no more. Well, I wanted to meet her daddy like a young man oughta, but I know that he didn't want no blues singer to marry his daughter. Because when I went by his house that day, he met me at the door with her brother and sister, Big Bad John, the damn dog named Bo. He said, get out of here with you, and don't you come back no more. Well, I stooped down to get married, the judge to do to you solemnly swear to take this woman for your lofty wife and not a one-night love affair. Before I could open my mouth to say I do, guess who walked to the door? Her dad, mom, Big Bad John, a dog named Bo. Well, I thought right then if I wanted to get married to the girl, I got to find a way to elope. We decided to go to Las Vegas to get away from her nose and folk. Soon as I got to Las Vegas, soon we walked in. That was all the kin, all the friends of that damn dog again. <laughs> <laughs> Those are kind of things that I do, and, and you you remind me of myself. And is that is I that did.
1: based on a, a real
2: story or something in your imagination? Some, uh, imagination, more or less. But I know I know of something like that with the with someone. Mm-hmm. But it's imagination to me because I know someone kind of went through that shotgun wedding kind mm-hmm. of kind of the bit, you know, you know. But you you remind me so much of me, man. As a young man, hey, I'll take it. I mean, just. You know, just last night there was a house party that
1: I played some some yeah. of my own solo yeah. songs, which I don't normally do, and it's always amazing to me the difference between you playing in your room, yeah, and then you playing in front of 150 people. In an intimate environment, right. and that adrenaline starts that's right. going. Yes, right. And a song I've been playing for six, eight months, right. no problem. All of a sudden, I, I, I just, all I, of a sudden you're, you're changing lyrics on right. the fly. That's right. I'm like making edits. I'm like completely making up the second verse. It was that's like right. super weird. Comes. That's right. The brain almost like lifted out
2: of my head and was like, "Oh, this song is going to be different now because yeah. now we got people listening." That's why. Right. You know, it's it right. crazy. And, and you get vibes from. Listen, you can like read the vibes. I mean, I mean, mm. you can really, yeah.
1: What's the What's the way that you get? Do you get warmed up before
2: a show? You get into a headspace where you're ready to I think share about, your stories. I think about 30, 40 minutes being alone. I'm a I'm a lonely kind of person with my music, mm. and I do everything by myself. I don't need no company mm. around me when I'm creating, mm. <clears throat> when I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm. I guess you you know when you, when you're into yourself and you get to you create, you know, musically and everything else. I can hear you gotta be
1: by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You know. Well I don't have to have to be by myself. I can be I can be with someone I still be alone because I can tune you out. You know how you Yeah.
1: You know, I can, Well, this is the only thing that's matter that matters right now. You know. I'm alone. Do you write better on the road or when you're home?
2: Oh on the road. Every time I write better when I'm on the road when I don't have a pen, everything mm-hmm. come to you when you can't write it down. Yeah, yeah. Then you got to trust how you remember. It. Do you write
1: stuff in a notebook?
2: Oh, on toilet tissue. Man, I got man, paper everything. on everything. Mean, I, I got paper everywhere. Don't throw anything away around me because I don't wrote on it, man. I, I stopped a few years ago
1: writing uh, lyrics down on paper because I would lose it. And I, I now email myself. Yeah. Because then that song, you're like, oh, how did that go? And you're like, oh, I'm just going to yeah. type
2: it into my yeah. email.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I, I would have journals or different stuff and then I would I lose things. I always well, lose me, things. But yeah. I got
2: so many papers and I go when I get ready to do something I go through my paper and just throw it out on the phone and I pick up a piece of paper. Mm. I find a verse here a verse there. Oh just go with certain sets of things. You know you, you find things I just write things down. What is, I just write things down.
1: What does the blues mean to you
2: like as a an art form? Blues mean everything to me. Not just because I'm a blues singer but I have gain enough knowledge about life now at my age, knowing where music as a whole, mm-hmm. blues come from, mm-hmm. it's the root of all the music, all kinds of music and gospel. Mm-hmm. But but if you don't like the blues, you probably don't like your mama. Okay. Elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh it's the root it's the root of a lot of things came come from the blues, you uh-huh. know. And it's so meaningful for me, singing the blues and being the black man who sang the blues, I get disturbed sometimes about uh, what critics go about the blues. Mm. But I'm so glad that young white artists and blues singers and players is picking up the blues. Mm. But then I'm sad about the young black men's and women's who distance themselves from the blues mm. and thinking blues is something less than something else. I can understand the reason. Because the reason why is because the writers and the radios and everything like that talk about the blues being something great when white done and when black done is it, it's something it's just something else. So they don't want to be in with something just something else.
1: Or that it's like a it's like an old fashioned yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, traditional, yeah. traditional thing
2: that's thing. not yeah has yeah. anything to do with you know yeah, current yeah, yeah. sort of Awareness. How many black men is your age thinking about what Willie Dixon done? You can count them mm. because they think it's, it's about nothing. But they've been it, it's been set in their mind for them to think about it because they've been written about that it was nothing. And most of things was nothing till the white guys done it. Because I remember mm. when wall walls come in, and most of the time they invented it so the white guys could play like the black guys. The wall yeah, wall pedal. Yeah, wall wall pedal. But that's all great. But what bothered me about it now, the black guy behind the wall wall trying to sound like a white guy who's trying to sound black. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> insightful. Yeah, yeah. It, but but if it wasn't for the white guys who playing the blues and love the blues mm-hmm. and doing what you're doing with the blues, what would the blues be? So, so I'm glad that somebody somewhere taking along. It just just get credit for what's due. do. Just get what's come from. Because you know when you when you when you you know I love Johnny Lane, mm-hmm. but but Johnny Lane he doing the new. You know, I never happened to in a few years you'd think he the one originated it. Mm. You know, but yet yeah, it's cool. Well, if you people know. don't know the history of, of yeah. anything, <clears throat> you get into trouble.
1: You know. Yeah, and, yeah. And that and the farther away music is for me from some sort of blues backbone, yeah, the more empty it yeah, yeah. is. You know, it's just void. it's just Yeah. It's gonna be gone. It's gonna yeah. be flash in the pan. It's not it doesn't have a,
2: a a spine to it. I'm glad you said that because see, really I talk about some of the things I talk about. I mean, I'm glad to talk to you about it because, pretty soon, if if you don't have uh, you or people like you, the people who coming on twenty years from now won't even know where this blues, where this music come from, yeah. and who did it and why. But it's all the pa- I think it's I always say
1: <clears throat> you you got it. You can't blame young kids for their no. bad music taste. You blame their parents. Blame their parents, right? My dad gave me Robert Johnson's King of the Delta Blues on vinyl. When I was like eight, you know, that was like a thing that was just in my house. You know, it wasn't the only thing we listened to, I I but don't. it was like, this the, is important. One thing he was into is this is important. Listen to this. Right. And that was like a thing that was just sort of like I was told was important, That's you right. know, and I think especially in American, you know, music creators, it's like if you're not somewhat aware of where all this music came from. You don't know anything in That's a right. way, you know you just know sort of whatever's on the radio right now,
2: you know I was uh talking to my manager Jeff who he's just
1: a good man, a good, yeah, man. He's a good man
2: and I'm so glad that we're putting this tour together solo mm-hmm. because I can get a chance to really tell the story of me mm. and many men before me mm-hmm. I don't have to say i just I just do it at at my age, if I just do it. Then people can see through what I'm doing, where I come from, mm-hmm. and what the music I'm singing, and the grandfather and own back and back and back. And 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 people can say, Well, they don't even have to like me. I strive to be good at what I'm doing. You can say, Well, I don't like barbaration, but damn he good. <laughs> yeah. That's all what matters. Yeah. Well, I think when we when you're a storyteller
1: deep down, right? Yeah. The story is more important yeah, than that, you. That, that Right. right. And it's like, I actually get just as much joy when someone else sings my song. Uh huh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm about, like, yeah, that's story, see you know. how she's doing that? Like, yeah. And I remember, because I've written plays and stuff, the most, like, the happiest I've ever yeah, been yeah. standing in the back yeah. of the audience in New York, watching them watch this watch show. It, sure. And I'm, every I'm no night, creative, you know? every night, the reaction would be different. Right, some night they'd be roaring with laughter. The next night it would be dead silent, and every audience would experience this same, same story differently. completely differently. Right, right, and that's why, like for me, lyrics I feel like can be interpreted in so many that's ways. Right. That's why. Right. Uh, so your the title track of your newest album, Porcupine Meat. Oh man, okay.
2: that was it was hard. It was hard. To that, get that just over. the
1: name of that kind yeah. of conjures yeah. this sort of. Uh, strange uh, <clears throat> divide. Where you're like, well, you're not going to eat a porcupine. That's right, right. But I
2: want to know more about that. And, and uh, Plus, I wasn't talking about porcupine meat. Yeah. I was talking about being in a situation in love with someone that you love more than they love you. And you knew it. But that was something about the person you didn't want to divide from, mm. hoping some way it would be just laying along enough. You would gain the love. Mm. you pick figure if you leave too soon that this person will will realize who you was and how you felt about him, but it'd be too late. Otherwise, you'd, you'd be going to someone else and she'd be going to someone else or what have you. How's that song start? It's on I'm in love with the woman. I know she don't mean me no good. I would leave the woman if I could. I tried to leave her many times before, but every time I leave, I come back for more. Mm-hmm. Now that's porcupine meat. It's too fat to eat and too lean to throw away, and it's uh, pretty prickly on the outside. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty pickly too. You know.
1: <laughs> See, why isn't why aren't why aren't lyrics, but especially blues lyrics, appreciated like poetry? That's what I want to know. Because I, I used to read Langston Hughes growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. And yeah, you yeah. would read kind yeah, of yeah, like these phrases, like you just everybody. said, as
2: poetry. Yeah, right, as, Well, that's what song's about. It really is, really, you know. Uh, When I was on Chicken Heads, Calvin Carter with BJ Records, I came, you know, I'm often coming up with these I I can talk to you kind of straight, and I can't talk to everybody like I'm talking to you because you're a writer, you know. And I said, I have this song, man, I think it's a great song. So what's the name of it? I said, Chicken Head. Mm-hmm. So Leo Oster was his business partner. He was a Jewish, witness preacher. Mm-hmm. At that time, he said, oh, no, we can't cut no song. no not chick head. Now, he was thinking about, you know. Too scary. Yeah, too scary. Can't take a chance with that. He said, you mean chicken head? I said, yeah, chicken head. And I looked at him. I said, yeah, chicken head. He said, oh, yeah, you from down south. They eat chicken heads down south. I said, he said, how'd the song go? I said, Daddy told me I would have died in bed. Give up your heart, but don't you lose your head. You came along, what did I do? I lost my heart, and my head went too. Which had nothing to do with the chicken. He said, oh, yeah. yeah." You follow me? Yeah. He said, but we need a B-side. I said, I got a B-side. He said, what the name was? I said, Mary Jane. He said, oh, yeah, I had a woman did me wrong named Mary Jane. And I wasn't talking about a woman at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I had me two guys. Smoking mirrors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they know what I was talking about. So that's kind of like when I did with I had this new record I have now. I never chose I never said this on the air or with any one interview. The name of this new record I'm coming out with now. You're getting an exclusive here on showing Called the call. Called Dog Named Bo. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's maybe it's not fully about the dog named Bo. Well, you know, it's it's talked about this this I went by this main house and he didn't want me to marry his daughter because I'm a blues singer. He sicked the dog on me. Right. Made him tell for all my clothes and there's a dog named Bo you know Cause, of course I got I went on to get married to him that means I made up with Bo me, me and Bo is alright <laughs> if you
1: could if you could set up a tour with three artists dead or alive to join you on a tour who would it be
2: probably be Tina Turner Tina Turner B.B. King nice probably Elton John Elton John, yeah, interesting. Yeah, you dig Elton I, I, John's music? It ain't the music I like. I like where he stands, where he's come from mm. musically, and on the stage. Mm. I love that he keeps retiring, but I, and then he unretires. But, but, but I like the way he lies and, yeah. and get out of it. You know, he has been even you know by retirement. how many times? About hundred. When are you gonna retire? I'm like I'm like Elton John. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> every year is my retirement show. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, there was a. There was a, a comedian, an Australian comedian, who had this funny thing where, and she's young, but she's like, yeah. "It's my going away tour. Like I'm quitting comedy after this." Yeah. And then she would be like, "Well, I'm not actually quitting comedy. I'm just yeah. getting people interested because but, if you can get people to think that this is the only time you're ever going to see this, the rest of your life."
2: But you know, it's, it's unfair uh, to tell. So it got I got so many artists that I respect. You know, Taj Hall out here, and I can respect what he do and what he've done. Mm. Uh, Grateful for Dead and all of you not together now but a lot of the guys mm-hmm. that I know from big groups and big rock groups uh, uh,
1: You played with Dr. John
2: on, Dr. The, John, on the Decisions yeah, album, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: Dr. John with the Decisions, you know Tell me about that song Another Murder in New Orleans New Orleans, that was awesome
2: Carl Gustavs was doing this song <clears throat> and we was in the studio he said, man I'd like to get Dr. John on this song I said, give him a call Tell him I'm at the studio. He called and he said, hey, what's your name? He said, Carl Guts. I'm here with Bobby, Bobby Rush. you here with Bobby What's that Bobby Rush doing? You see, he's right here right now. I the park. He said, what you doing? I said, I'm going to have time to record. How long are you going to be in town? I said, not too long, man. As long as you get down here, I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> not talking about no record, no recording, anything. Yeah, comes in the studio with me because of a long-time relationship. We was doing this song. Mm-hmm. He said, man, what you want me to do? And this off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Like no plans, mm-hmm. nothing. You know? Mm-hmm. Come this, that's how it have friendship. That's how I have this friendship, man. What other uh good colab- <clears throat> good collaborations that you can remember? Oh uh, I remember so many things. Me, Chuck Berry was my sure enough friend. In Chicago? No, he was in St. Louis. Oh, okay. He, he's living in St. Louis. Was, I never met him in Chicago, but mm-hmm. I played his birthday party for him many times. He's kind of a prickly guy, right? Yeah, but he never was at his party. He, mm-hmm. I, God, what a funny guy. Played his birthday party, and he never was at it, either one of them. He didn't come to his own party? No. he, he, he the, last, the last one I did, was, I said we're going to do any more, and I didn't do any more. He come to me said, Barbara Rush, I'm going to pay you. We're gonna have some fun tonight. This is on a Friday night. He gonna just get on this old tractor out in his farm. And I can see him going down towards the woods. I don't know what way he turned. Yeah. I don't see him no more in a week. <laughs> Where'd you <know>? he go? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> his birthday party. A lot of folks there mm-hmm. do it every year, have his birthday party. See, so y'all just have fun. I'm going to the store. I'll be right back. Gee, what is this tractor? You know, he's a farm guy. I don't know, he must have a truck down what the road. What was he farming down there? Everything. yes, just, just, just grass and <laughs> peanuts and butter beans and shit, you know. Take the tractor yeah. not come back to yeah, you. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But he was a good guy, you know. But I got so many guys that I love and respect. But a guy's another guy who's who's been a loyal friend to mine for a long, long time. And I'm hoping somewhere down the line we get to record some thing together because we've been on each other for myself. Same home state and the whole bit. I do so many things with them. I mean, we just love each other, and and uh, who's this buddy guy? Mm. And uh, there's so many guys that I like to do some things with. You asked me earlier, yeah. But I pin down three or four people because you gave me three. But it's mm. so many guys. It's mm. so many guys that I respect and love the music and what they've done. If you listen to Barbara Ray's song, you hear a little this and a little that and a little this and a little that. You put it all in a bowl and you stir it up, you got mm-hmm. a barber race soup, you mm-hmm. know. And so many guys I respect, you know, even down to the younger guy, the prince, the Snoop Dogg, the mm-hmm. order, you know, I don't in I don't uh endorse all the things the rappers do and the pants down a whole bit. I don't get into that. But some of the guys do some great music and some great businessmen mm-hmm. because my uh, attitudes about if you if you mad about the pants being down, all you gotta do is lift the head lever up, and the pants to come with it. Okay. You know, and although those are my attitude, because music is music to me. If if it did well, mm. you know, it may not be my cup of tea of music, but if it did well, I can respect it. Mm-hmm.
1: How do you feel like the music industry has changed in your many decades
2: doing it? I think this music I haven't really changed. I think. The blues, we're talking about the blues, itself. Mm-hmm. I think the blues to the black people is outdated, mm-hmm. and to the young white people is something new.
0: Mm.
2: I don't think the, 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 the white guys understand that the black guys not doing it because they think it's something old to do or something they cool to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the young white guys and kids will think that something blues is something to do now. And it it's just, just don't... I'm thinking in my heart that the blacks just don't want to do the blues because uh, it's not swift enough for them. It's not good enough for mm-hmm. them. Because I respect all the good blues players around the country and what they're doing. But I'm a little bit different from most of the guys. I'm about... I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I'm about the blues. I love the blues. But I'm, a, I'm about... the doing it correct. Mm, what does that mean? Uh, the bars and what have it. A lot of guys coming. even when John Lee would do I respect John Lee, but he wouldn't... They, they, yeah,
1: he, he never went to the five. No, he
2: just no, kept going. No, he, <laughs> he just but, kept going. I didn't see... I, that don't mean he's wrong. Yeah. It's just that I, I want to kind of do it you know, yeah. you know, on scales and bars and counts and whatever. Yeah. That don't mean I'm right about it, you know? It's just my feeling about it, you know? They made a good living with it, so, so be it, you know?
1: Well, I remember... <clears throat> trying to learn some of the blues stuff when I was in <laughs> college and listening to John Lee Hooker. Yeah, and then I am i can hear the band actually going to the uh, yeah, four to chord. The whole, yeah. And
2: he's staying he's on the staying line. On one. On and the I was line. like,
1: wait. <laughs> but it has this kind of dissonance yeah, yeah. that's really spooky yeah, and cool. Yeah, yeah. And when he when he sort of ends the song,
2: it's like the song isn't really over. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's like it's, it's just it's, we're it's, choosing it's, to end it now. It's, not, it's a common most of the time. It's yeah. not a period. Yeah. On most of the things, it's everything ends with a common, not with a period. <laughs> and I, I like
1: you know creating songs with a, yeah a little more structure. Yeah, yeah. A couple verses. Yes. Yeah. Chorus and the bridge. I don't mean
2: we write about it, but just that.
1: But know. I think what when I first started writing songs, I heard Bob Dylan's Blonde on yeah, Blonde yeah. record, and he would take uh, sort of these songs like Visions of Johanna. Yeah, yeah. That sort of went on as long as, as they long needed the story to,
2: to be told. Wherever, you know? wherever, how many bars it take to tell the story, that's how many bars you use. Yeah. yeah. But you and I write, like, I got to write this story within these bars, you know? Well, there's a certain
1: kind of, like, pleasure to yeah. getting the rhyme in yeah. this exact...
2: Ex- exact timing. Yeah,
1: you know, and then when you can really... The English language is such a beautiful sort yeah. of... Uh, thing for that because you can yeah. find all these ways of looping things yeah, yeah. in this awesome way that is somehow exciting even though it's been yeah. done a million times That's before. Right. That's right.
2: You know and right. you, know, you, you 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 know, as you go along doing these the interviews and you go along doing show, you always find a passion with someone who relate to you and what you do. This is an easy interview with me because you understand as a writer. Well, I appreciate you, man. You, as a writer, because mm. you understand the spaces, you know what I'm talking about, and what i think. And as a writer, you know, and you can relate to that. And most guys would ask me about some situation just because they want to learn about what I thought about it. Because mm. what I think about a situation don't mean it's right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, just my opinion. And there's so many guys that I love uh, to work with, uh, through the years, and so many places I've been. Uh, God, I wish i I wish, I wish I'd been the time that worked with Louis Jordan, who, who I analyze as a writer. Louis Jordan, and, yeah. Yeah, and Junior Parker. Louis
1: Jordan's yeah. almost like the the bridge between
2: jazz and rock and roll and blues, right?
1: Like it, you can see it happening. And he was doing it when the early '50s. I mean, so, it was way before. So him. when you
2: listen to a Barbara Brest record, you hear. A, you you have some modification in mm. uh, what I do. I'm a blues man who modified some licks and some timing and what I am and what I'm doing. At one time, I was so far in ahead of myself to it seemed like I wasn't playing the blues.
1: But You're I was using a lot of synthesizers <laughs> and stuff yeah. in the eighties. Yeah. So.
2: I, I I did that because that was the modification. That was the telephone. Mm. You, and now what I was doing then, someone was kicking about it. But now, look at the look how we done this interview now. Look at this modification.
1: Well, we're going back a little more rustic That's what, right now. Well,
2: well, this is what we doing. This is what I was doing. This is what I was doing because see, I knew it was gonna come a time that scent is one thing, and the real music is another thing. But now it gets to place you can't a scent from the real music mm. if it's did in music patterns. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Because. I remember when I was a kid, I went outside to a toilet because we didn't have no inside toilet. It didn't smell good. Now I got nine bathrooms in my house that smell good. You have nine bathrooms? Yeah, but the point of getting to it, you do the same thing in them. That have not changed.
1: That's true. <laughs> you
2: know,
1: if I work hard enough, you know, till I'm 84... You know, maybe I can also have nine bathrooms. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I don't. But, maybe I just need three. But 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 you have to have money to buy food to yeah. have and have a use for the bathroom. What's your favorite food on the road that, when you're traveling? Probably a good salad and uh, good salad. That, yeah, good. Not that much meat. Uh, That's why you look so good. Yeah, a good salad. And, Not that much uh, meat. If if it flies or swim, I eat it. Do you exercise? Do you have like stuff to keep you fit? Yeah, I I, I exercise. You know, I exercise, and then I I stay pretty. I don't exercise like as much as I should, but I'm I'm pretty. You cook when you're home? Yeah, I cook. I cook when I'm not home that much. But when I'm when I'm your signature dish. Probably, I could a lot of vegetables. I love greens and peas and beans and mm. stuff. It's, stay away from the meat stuff and a lot of vegetables. A lot of vegetables. He's going to live to 110 yeah, a years old, I think. Oh, no. Not that much bread, no rice, no potatoes, nothing like that. Do you think you're still going to be playing the blues when you're 100? Yeah. Who, yeah. who is the
1: oldest touring? guy right now. Isn't like Pine Top Perkins? He was really old. Yeah, right?
2: Pine Top was working with me. He was still a touring. Uh my maybe not in I haven't on under two hundred shows a year for sixty five years. Two hundred shows a year. For sixty five years. Haven't on under two hundred for sixty five years. Did your voice ever get tired? Yeah. Uh I get tired mentally and that's when my voice gets tired.
1: The travelling is the toughest
2: part. Yeah, the, you know, every now and then I have these little up the little down strokes It's a personal thing that I'm go I go through, but not too many of them. Mm. Because my pride is all the time that I hope God keep me enthused because a man can live a long time without water or food. Mm. But you can't live long without hope. Mm. So I'm always have hope and already learning. Like today this is the interview, but I'm learning something, you know. You Can ever... I tell you this? When you told me that you were from, you was out of Chicago and you mm-hmm. were a young man. So <clears throat> the first thing I said, Where are you from? He said, he out of Chicago. I said, How old is he? I, 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 said him, I said, He's about 50, 60 years old. So No. Said, He's <laughs> about 30, 35 in that range. That's what my manager said. 34 next week. Yeah, listen. I was interested to talk to anyone who out of Chicago that love the blues at 30 something years old. Mm-hmm. That's a rare thing.
1: Well, my dad plays blues harmonica in the band sometimes when he, when we're in town in Chicago, he'll come up and play a tune. We'll do sometimes a muddy waters tune or yeah. you know, some, some thing yeah. of mine. I wanted to ask you about the harmonica because it's, it's something that's hard to teach because it's, it's inside your mouth. Right. Yeah. So amazing. I remember asking my dad like, so how do you bend the notes like that? And he's sort of like, I don't know, just try it out. <laughs> you know, like it. Like, how do you demonstrate that if someone wants to? Like, is it's almost like a feeling thing? It's know? a feel thing, but it it could be demonstrated. It can tell you know. Can you, you demonstrate it, a couple things on heart? Well,
2: let me see. Can I, I had one here there one.
1: because I feel like uh, there's a there's a mournfulness and a and a and a, and a an emotion. My I'm not
2: gonna play a little bit different for most guys because I'm a right hand person, but I do everything left handed. Really? Yeah. It's like a baseball player. Yeah, um, you know, and the reason why I do the harmonica left-handed because I had the chicken pop when I was a little young boy, okay. and I didn't want to wait till the chicken pop got well on my side of my mouth, so I reversed the hob the other way. You couldn't wait, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't wait till then, and, and I learned to play. You know, was that the first thing you started playing before even before the guitar? Juice hob. Juice hop mm-hmm. man. Juice hop mm-hmm. playing the country. Mm-hmm. You we know, listen to Johnny Cash. That was a song I was crazy about. You get the hook and I get the pole, babe. You get the hook and I get the pole. We going down across that hole. Honey, baby, my. A lot you of know? bluegrass
1: players play that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I... What, what, I, what I brand love, do you play? You play honey. I play Horner. I play uh, Lee Oscar, who's mm-hmm. my old buddy. He's He got some things that he's doing now and. The low C's, the low E's, and low B's, and mm. that's another thing. You know, that's real low. It's what is the that. you remember the first song you played on harmonica? Yeah. Yeah, my dad. My, how am I gonna play my dad? Train. Mm. Train Training the hound dog. How's that? Go? How's that
0: boat. go?
2: My dad said. Son, let me tell you about this train and the hound dog had a race. I asked my dad, so how did it wind up? He said, You who you think won the race? I said, Oh, the train. He said, No, no, no. No. He said, Oh. The dog said, Oh. Wow and he went on to show me the dog went on to win the race the dog was there <laughs> and he said the dog went so far And ahead of the train he turned around and came back and he ran over his tail that's where Albert Kane got the song from about the dog running across the railroad track He cut his tail off and he would holler and said, <laughs> <laughs> my dad kind of taught me that, man. And he talked it to me while he was doing it.
1: You ever hear that? Remember that band, Jay Giles band? Yeah. yeah. No
2: damn, Magic Dick hell.
1: and the Lickin' Stick.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Remember, I always tried to get my dad to sing, uh, to play Whammer Jammer. Whammer well, Jammer. It's like one yeah. of the only like rock and roll yeah, yeah, yeah. harmonica
2: hits. You know that he, song is so hot. But he was, but but it was so old and hot and was played well. You know. Uh, I always break the reeds
1: in mine, like every time in the middle. I like- yeah,
2: well, you've you, we got to get you, they got the better better brands of hob. Yeah. You, you, so these are a little better brands of hob. It's old, but it's got the good reason. And it costs a little bit more money. You know, just like a car, you, you, you put a little more money into the mm-hmm. hob and get a better bridge and get better notes and mm-hmm. so on. But, but if you're talking about bending, mm-hmm. if you're talking about the third note, it's this. Mm-hmm. and most of the time you say blow your harp but it's about 30% blows about 70% draw mm-hmm. that's for Bobby Rush and yeah, you're bit, going in I'm yeah. going in
0: <laughs>
2: if I was a That's where the key come
0: in.
2: Yeah, man. I mean,
1: it feels like... Now I can blow it the other way. It feels like the train is inside the room. Well, right
2: yeah, right. You know, you, where you get... Last
0: night,
2: a woman wouldn't let me in, went to the bedroom, she was making love to my best
0: friend,
2: that's a tough titty. Can't nothing suck it but a lion.
0: <laughs>
2: I never will forget what I heard people through the window pain. She was making love to him, but she was calling out my name. That's a tough kid. Can't nothing suck it but a lion. You know that's a hard pill to try to swallow? Like about what she did to me all the time.
1: You ever think of making an album just voice and harmonica? Yeah. Who's that? There was an amazing harmonica player that did that, uh i totally blanking on his name. Well, I used to I get know, a couple I, of his I, records.
2: I'll tell you who could do it well. I don't know where he had made a record like that. That was Sonny Boy Williams.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He could do it well. Mm-hmm. And he played the low C's. Mm-hmm. That's when he played a lot of the low C harps.
1: I love that. They use one of his songs in a, a David Lynch movie when the, the guy is beating up. He's trying to like beat up this guy, and it just goes into, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, Sonny was was both the both the guys, but I liked the late the last Sonny Boy better than I did the uh have a spec one better did you. Sonny Boy Three? Yeah, three. Yeah. He was, he was a great player,
1: man. Great
2: player. I had have,
1: have that vinyl with the was it the top hat? Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. derby.
2: Yeah. 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 But I'm I'm hoping you are um, I'm 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 let me say to you before we get off the interview, mm-hmm. let me thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you're doing. It's thank not for what you me. plan to do because what you're doing, you give people the opportunity to keep the blues alive mm-hmm. and the people who do the blues and educate the people who don't know about it mm-hmm. what the blues was, what it is, what it would always be. I mean, it's amazing to see young people
1: taking it up you know, there's a there's a girl I had on this show named Sonny War and it's like I don't know if you believe in past lives or yes, yes. or uh, reincarnation. It's like she's a young kid playing like Mississippi John Hurt and you're like, Where is this coming from? You know? It just is there inside people, you know?
2: Yeah. You wanna play a song? Whatever you want me to do, man, you you don't You got you your guitar you here, huh? You don't you don't uh Game relationship with me here, so we're my Let's get the guitar out. All right. What do you want to play? A little song about a lady that broke my heart. My baby left me here to cry. she didn't even tell me goodbye. I need some time try to find where to get the woman out of my mind. Begging gin, I'm begging wine. Trying to get the woman out of my mind. I need some time or oh, try to find way to get the woman out of my mind. She left me for the week. Says she won't be back no more. I need a little time or oh, to try to find. Where to get the woman out my mind Think about the woman every night Wonder if she ever go, ever coming back I need some time Will oh, try to find Where to get the woman out my mind I need my woman to come back Since she's been gone, things ain't right I need some time to, try to find Where to get the woman out of my mind
1: There he goes, the Assassin of the Blues Mr. Bobby Rush. If you want to hear more from Bobby, go to BobbyRushBluesMan.com for his music and his tour dates. And uh, his newest record is called Porcupine Meat. It's off Rounder Records. Sometimes I imagine if I was an 85-year-old and I could still play music and still remember everything, where would I go? Yep, I would probably play in France and Switzerland, and that's where he is this week. Go check him out if you're in Europe, and then he'll be back in May in his home state of Mississippi. And don't forget, if you have an idea of who I should interview, it's almost festival season, so a lot of new artists will be coming into my world. Show on the road pod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. The Show on the Road is hosted by me, Zach Lupitan, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love the Show on the Road, please leave us a review or rating over at iTunes.com/slash Show on the Road. Tell your friends, the Show on the Road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lupitin.
2: the leading storyteller in music. Because
1: as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.